And I'm like, what is this? You don't just show someone porn. Enemies to Lovers. Hey, and welcome to Enemies to Lovers, the podcast. Where Alex and Shay, two former college roommates who went from enemies to to lovers. lovers. This podcast explores dating, polyamory, queerness, and ethical non-monogamy. We also feature guests that will ask us questions and share their stories. So keep an open mind. Please subscribe. And as always, stay Stay curious. Enemies to lovers. Yay! Yay. (laughs) Let's get into it. So today we have Maya here, our lovely guest of the day. Maya is a poet, performer, and leader in the local queer community in Atlanta. She runs Glitter Gaze, an Atlanta-based queer arts entertainment platform that produces events like The Vast Unsaid, a lesbian open mic, Let's Eat, a monthly queer community potluck, and Bliss, a sober LGBTQ day dance event. So let's jump into it. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how did we meet you, Maya? So I actually met you both at Sex Down South, which it was my first year going. Um, Ours too, actually. Oh, yep. great. And first, first time being going, vendors. First time being vendors. We had a vendor booth at uh, the con for our podcast. Yeah. And I saw that you guys were doing podcasting. And funny enough, I went to a class that was there that was called How to Be Sex Successful on my first day on Friday morning. And part of what the people in the workshop are saying is like one of them didn't produce their own podcast, but mm-hmm. is a guest on podcasts. So podcasting is something I want to eventually get into. And I saw yeah. you guys doing your thing and I was like, I just feel like it's so inspirational to see people, you know, in the community doing the same kind of work. And I really just came over and started talking to you guys for like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I kind of sat down at your table for like 30 you, minutes and I was like, dove right in. I was like, when can I come by? And Alex was like, is Monday too soon? I was like, we better find the time. So I'm so happy to be here. And then I also wanted to add, yes, these events I do that you all mentioned, I host, but I am also an organizer with SFQP, Southern Fried Queer Pride, and they help like they put on the events and then I'm the person who comes together and like organizes and shows up for the thing. Yes. So the Vast Sunset is their event that I'm like the MC and I host and then Let's Eat I think has been my baby for like four years now and we put that on like together. That's awesome. So yeah. And yeah. Bliss is a solo dance event that I did yes. by myself. So and Southern nice. Fried Queer yeah. Pride does other stuff too, right? They do. They do shows day and dance. Of- they do dances as well. They do education. They have resources for people to Mm -hmm. like stay healthy they have Mm -hmm. nighttime events they're kind of an all-inclusive um southeast based Mm -hmm. really like focusing on queer people in the south to make sure that they have resources Mm -hmm. and making sure that people of color have Mm -hmm. those resources as well so we really need those in the community absolutely very important work Sex awesome. Down South, for those who don't know, is an educational conference that talks kink about convention, sex and kink, kink, polyamory, sex, the whole sexuality, the whole like shenanigans, all the things. Yes, yeah, for check sure. them out. So, Maya, tell us a bit about yourself, about like your career journey, how you got into ethical non-monogamy, how did you start running events? Okay. Um, can I take a sip of tea while yes, I'm doing do that? It. Okay, Go cool. I'm going to do it away from the mic because I, <laughs> I've been doing that too. I'm like, I know how sound works. ASMR. Unless it's fun, then we can <laughs> add it later. <laughs> hey, that's all right. <laughs> We're here to 
We want them to feel included. You're Absolutely. here, listeners. You're here with us. <laughs> I You're love it. In the room it. with us with our beautiful pride flag. For Woo! sure. They're all the colors of the rainbow. Yes. Um, it's very important. Okay. So can I have those questions back? Can I have the first yes. one? Tell us about your career journey. How did you come out? How did you realize that you're not super straight? And how do you yeah. identify? Yeah. Absolutely. So I identify as a lesbian. Okay. Um, so much so there were actually parts of the Sex Down South conference that just were beautiful, consensual love I saw happening between two people that weren't what appeared to be like queer to me. And I was like, oh, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> you were like, this is too straight. Like, so queer, like, so much a lesbian that I'm like, if it's not queer love happening, I'm like, oh, I just feel like so much credit has been given to straight love. And mm-hmm. we see it so much in the media. Oh, really? Um, and you know, queer love is stigmatized and still strange. And I feel like we're seeing it represented more and more, mm-hmm. like you guys' podcasts, obviously. Um, but at the same time, I do understand that like it is still taboo for some people. So rewinding back, um, how I found myself to be gay is in a lot of different ways, and poly in a lot of different ways, actually. So um, the first like serious boyfriend that I had, I was still in high school. I was mm-hmm. in my junior year and I met him outside of school. He was a little bit older. And I found myself in this situation more than once. It was actually twice that this happened before I realized how much of a lesbian that I was. I would start dating these guys mm-hmm. and I would feel this need to have like the company of a woman. I would start with them as being monogamous. There was no talk of like either of us in that relationship seeking other lovers or other Mm -hmm. people you know that weren't the two of us and just at different points for whatever reasons I just felt like I needed like Mm -hmm. I can't explain it like it felt like there was a hole inside of me even being fulfilled with these men I was dating that wasn't I did not feel complete without Mm -hmm. having a woman with me or like the company of a woman so much so that I would argue that it destroyed my relationships Mm -hmm. because I felt like I couldn't be fully present with the men that I was with in my life because I was always like, I would stay awake at night. It'd be the first thing that woke me up in the morning, not even a specific woman, just the concept of Mm -hmm. being with a woman. Like I was losing a lot of sleep over it. Um, I was feeling really guilty in my relationships. And I think it was, I call it, so I believe that there are two types of poly. I believe there's proper poly where like people are open and they talk kind of more along the lines of ethical Mm non-monogamy. And then there's messy poly, which is kind of like when you're first figuring it out, you can still be messy and be proper (laughs) Um, (laughs) when you just like don't have the words or the language and you have these things happening that like end up when you become properly Mm -hmm. poly that you just realize are messy. So Mm -hmm. I had these situations with these men I was dating where I would just be like basically trying to see other girls on the side, Mm, which I also hate this concept of like, if you have a primary partner, of course, in monogamy that like that's your primary. So everybody else is like a side piece. Mm -hmm. And I would just end up falling in love with them. Like I would be like, (laughs) I'm in my relationship with this guy. I'm completely now in love with this woman and I could not even properly be present with them. And then of course it always ended up being a whole fallout between us because they were like, you're supposed to be here for me. Who's this woman? I can't right. stop thinking about Were them. Were you whatever. labeling yourself as like bisexual at this point? It's really, really interesting that you ask me that because I never considered or identified as bisexual. Hmm. 
ever when any of this was happening. And now that I look back at it, I think I always realized I was a lesbian that mm-hmm. felt like I had to date men because I never saw in my life growing up like two women properly dating mm-hmm. and like being a whole couple. Okay. So I didn't know yeah. that that was possible. So for me, like I was thinking I'm still trying to fit in this box of like, okay, like this is what a relationship looks like. It's between a man and a woman. And then like anything else is not even valid. And mm-hmm. I had to start hanging out with more people in the queer community and seeing those queer couples and like lesbian couples actually exist to validate myself and be like, oh no, I actually am a lesbian. I actually mm-hmm. am queer. And funny enough, just to backtrack a little, I the guy I fell in love with um, the second time before I decided and really felt in myself that I could not be with men anymore. I had to exclusively be with women for the just sake of my own like joy and mm-hmm. self and really Um, how I felt the most complete in my body and physically, emotionally, spiritually in my life. Um, I told my friend who introduced us that I was a lesbian because I was trying to identify as a lesbian at the time. And it was the first time that I'd even outwardly told anyone that I was. And this friend of mine was queer. So I figured like, oh, if anybody's going to introduce me to more like lesbians or people in the queer community, let me just tell this person I'm gay and then they'll introduce me to more Mm. gays. And I just met this guy and really actually fell like completely in love with him. And I would say that he, um, the last guy I dated, I always joke was like the last man that I will ever love, like the last male love of my life. And he tried really hard to his credit to be patient with me and to be understanding. But Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, like when you're not in that agreement up front, sometimes there's only like so much you can do, you know? For non-monogamy. Do you think you would have stayed with him if the expectation up front was that you were both allowed to be non-monogamous? I don't know. It's so funny because it's only been maybe six or seven years since I've had this revelation, Mm -hmm. since I've really been able to like powerfully, comfortably live in my lesbian identity. But at the same time, I just, I don't know, like, I can't explain it. It was the little things about, like, his presence as a man that were bothering me. It wasn't him. His person, he had a great personality. He was a sweet, very kind, understanding individual. But it was, like, the scruff on his face. Like, he decided (laughs) to, like, grow his beard out. We were kind (laughs) of having issues. And I was like, oh, no, I want someone, like, soft and (laughs) I don't think that it's just like a woman. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just a little, just a little more, you know, like a woman. Um, and I think I'd felt just this deeper connection with the women that I was allowed to be with that I just didn't feel with him. Mm-hmm. You know okay. what I mean? I don't think it was about whether he was a guy or whether we could like be open or not. I think it was really that once I started seeing women in this different way that I felt allowed to, Mm. I realized like I almost, it changed like my view of him. Like it changed fundamentally actually the way that I felt about him and our relationship. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people I know who will be like, oh, I classify myself as like biromantic and homosexual, but they exclusively Mm. only date the people they're sexually attracted to. Mm, hmm Yeah. I do think it's funny, and I love that you asked, because I don't want to be a person who, you know, I know bisexual erasure is a thing, and I'm like, 
if you're however you feel is valid. Oh, yeah. But I think it's also really interesting for me on my journey that you asked because I'm like, no, there was never a time where I identified as like, mm. be, I don't know, like being straight or being gay. I feel like I really went from like one to the other, mm. even when I was dating both men and women at the time. We're like, not by. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, not by. Actually, just a woman who's dating men who's actually a lesbian. That's how I felt. Like, which, is, a lot. which is funny because I actually, when I first started being with women, I was with podcast god and well Messy. i knew i knew i was Messy. bi at the time i know uh I, it was not ethical <laughs> i definitely cheated um but i kind of did the same thing where i had i was hooking up with girls on the side and stuff and just exploring that um so yeah it's we kind of came into both polyamory and queerness in the same way yeah would not recommend <laughs> it happens yeah i mean you know we got there in the end we figured it out Absolutely. but yeah do you think Having, do you think not identifying as bi had anything to do with bisexuality not really being really less represented in the media than being gay even? Or what do you think was the reasoning behind that? I think that's a great question. My way to answer your question is I think that lesbianism is less represented in the media and not just like lesbianism specifically, mm -hmm. like lesbians in the sense that not all lesbian relationships have to be hypersexualized. You yes. know what I mean? Because the first mm. media that I really saw was, <laughs> so this is a fun story. You guys were kind of asking about how I came out. And one of these guys that I was dating, one of the last guys I dated, I remember I had dreams for about a week straight where I was with women. Like in all of my dreams. <laughs> so I, that yeah, moment. that might be so. <laughs> yeah. So I would close my eyes, y'all, and I was losing sleep. I could not take oh, a God. nap. I could not, <laughs> like, I couldn't casually just like yawn and close my eyes. Everything I saw was pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I saw was really, truly like me having some kind of interaction, like with a woman. And so finally, we're. I still remember we were at his parents' house. We were in their library sitting on the couch. And I cried for an hour straight before I told him this information. Wow. And he was like, babe, like, what's wrong? He's trying to get it out of me the mm -hmm. whole time. And then finally, like, I think that I, I think that I like women. And y'all, he laughed <laughs> at me. He hysterically laughs and says, babe, is that it? He's like, everyone loves women, like almost like matter of factly. And I was like, it gave a little of comic relief. But at the same time, you know, I don't think he really understood or at the time I really understood like what weight that was going to have right, for me as far as like mm -hmm. the power of what it means to love a woman mm -hmm. and still be with a man. And yeah, I think joining the queer community has been really helpful. Just seeing like the older couples who have been together for like 10 plus years that are like gay as hell. And you're mm -hmm. like, oh, mm -hmm. I can do that. Because a lot of media's representation is just like old straight couples. Yeah, absolutely. So what I was getting to um, and telling you guys about this guy is, I, so I tell him this information, he laughs. And then the next day I'm over his house, he like brings me in his room and he shows me a video of like porn. And he shows me these like two women and it was like these like skinny, like is like Asian people. And so they're also, they're speaking another language I don't understand. 
And I'm like, what is this? You don't just show someone porn without like a heads up or questions or consent. Like it was so weird. Mm -hmm. So he was just thinking like this was going to be satisfying to me. And y'all, I swear he ended up being like my pimp weirdly. So the first, (laughs) yes. So the first dynamic and relationship I had with being Polly was like me telling my then male partner I was into women and him like then trying to satisfy this need for me mm-hmm. and find women for me Which and is kind of sweet work. yeah I mean <laughs> it's it like it was it was sweet and got messy um very quickly for I'm sure yeah. unfortunately for him he's like oh this will be good for me yeah Turns exactly like actually I discovered that I like fucking these women more than you for sure <laughs> absolutely so to Alex's point like asking about did I feel comfortable being bisexual in the world? I don't think I felt truly comfortable being a lesbian in the world Mm -hmm. because I think for me, I identified being a lesbian with being fetishized Mm -hmm. and something that my then male partner didn't even take seriously Right. because for him to be like, I'm just going to put you with, these other women with the expectation that like, you're still going to want me, like everything's still going to be good between us. Like you can have this need satisfied and we can still be together. I think that's a whole thing about lesbianism Mm -hmm. is that it is fetishized that you don't often see the couples together for like years who raise a home and have families together. You Mm -hmm. always see them like on a screen having sex. (laughs) And it's the same idea with a lot of couples, heterosexual couples that do that where they open the relationship the women's not allowed to, the one penis policy idea, right? Where yes. she's not allowed to see men, but if she sees women, it doesn't count, right? It doesn't yeah. count. And then they're like, what do you mean you're in love with this woman? Right. <laughs> where did that come from? Where did that come from? It's like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then were there any more questions? Yes. So what about, I know you talked a little bit about your polyamory journey. Mm-hmm. Um, where did it go from there? I mean, you're still poly, right? You now yes. still consider yourself poly. Um, And how do you live that? Yes. So I told you guys about my, you know, poly journey um, being messy. And I think there were also a lot of things for me as far as when I came into a relationship with a woman, like maybe more of an initial fear that like, Mm -hmm. oh, like I had, I have to tell you guys, so maybe part of why I never identified as bisexual was because a lot of my first interactions with uh, women and girls, like mm. I was a girl at the time, um, were me getting rejected by them. Yeah. There was a lot of very strange, like them kind of I, me feeling like an experiment, oh, like yeah. them being like waking up the next morning being like, oh, I'm straight. And I'm like, I can still smell your pussy on my hand. Like, what are you? <laughs> what do you mean you're straight? I was like, yeah. what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so then in this sense of, okay, like being straight or gay, it seemed like there were a lot of people in my life who were making me, I don't even want to say like making me make a choice, but it mm. felt like that. I felt way more accepted by the men in my life who wanted to have these interactions with me than the women because I would go out of my way and do a lot of stuff for these women. I'm like a very intentional lover, I would mm-hmm. say. Like you are too. Oh, so sweet. Yes. I'm the yeah, person. But it, it's like people like to take advantage of that. You probably understand. Yes. A hundred percent. I'm the person who's gonna drop soup at your door when you're sick. Mm-hmm. I'm the person like buying flowers for no reason mm-hmm. and like cooking the dinners and doing the sweet things. So I'm doing these things for these women that I'm having interactions with. And I'm thinking like, oh, they're going to 
like return the favor right. or reciprocate right. it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Either reciprocate or I'm going to feel loved by them. And those things never happen. Yeah. So maybe part of me not identifying as being bisexual and like the in between itness of my lesbianism is mm -hmm. because I really didn't feel accepted by women until I decided, you know what, regardless of how they feel about me, this is how I feel about myself. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the first woman, like person of a woman body, this person is non-binary who really accepted me and started to show me love and started to like sleep with me on a regular basis. They were already poly. So it was like, oh, my gosh, it felt so much easier to deal with some of these dynamics. And I do. I have a lot of policies for me when it comes to being poly and not a lot in like a scary mm -hmm. way, just that I feel like I'm to the point of my poly journey where I won't date someone else who isn't poly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like very important. Very <laughs> yeah, very, yeah, we got to we got to both meet each other um, where we're at and to just consent is so important to me so going into it in the beginning like hey like what do you want to be shared what do you not want to be shared mm -hmm. and that has also changed for me in my poly journey because mm -hmm. in the beginning when I met and was having interactions with this person we were both having interactions with two other people that were both out of state mm -hmm. so I think that made it easier for us to get to know each other because we were so close together and our lovers were farther mm -hmm. and then we just have like casual interactions with them but um they were actually super sweet and patient with me in my own journey, which mm -hmm. I think helped because when I got to them, I just gotten out of all these messy poly situations. Now I'm a yeah. lesbian. Now I'm being accepted for who I am. And now I'm figuring out like how to be properly poly mm -hmm. all at the same time. But yeah, I'm like so proud of myself now to yeah. have gone on the journey and still consider it a journey too. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think we're always learning and evolving like yeah. what is it to be poly and that's for how it us. should be honestly yeah stay curious <laughs> yes our tagline um yeah. i yeah. would say like as a point to what you said about how you were like well just because they don't love me back at this moment that doesn't change how i feel about mm -hmm. like women i think that's interesting because like we never tell straight people like hey like you've never been in a romantic relationship or a sexual relationship with the opposite gender you're not straight mm -hmm. but we'll say that to invalidate our own sexualities yeah like oh i've never seriously like been in a relationship with a woman how can i be bi mm -hmm. maybe right. i'm just like lying to myself and i only want them like sexually have you heard of compulsory cishet mm -mm. Lesbian ma master doc. Can you read it? I can send it to you. Later. Okay, please we're gonna do, do an episode DJ on it. And Ooh, that could be fun. Yeah, maybe we'll have cause... you back. <laughs> oh my god, I'd love to. Oh, yes, because oh, so I'll be outnumbered by BIPOC. I'm cool with that. <laughs> Finally, I'm in the majority. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> we're doing the dance. Um, it's basically a doc. It's a Google doc that went viral on the internet, and it's. I don't know who wrote it, but um, it goes through all the ways that society brainwashes us, or she says that's too intense of a word. Society teaches us <laughs> to be cis, to like men, you know, mm. as AFAB people that are raised as women, um, and how it goes through the exact process how, of how a lot of queer women figure out that they're queer by being like, no, I can't possibly have a romantic relationship with women, right. and then realizing oh, that that's like a possibility. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a fast – I've read it before, but I don't think you have either, right? I think I know who wrote it. 
I'm very pissed off lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, but it's it's a really good – like, the first time I read that, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because I felt similar, similarly, and then I read that document. I was like, wait, other people feel this way? Like, yeah. 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 Sometimes it's so good. And, like, you know, I love talking about being queer and being poly and being mm-hmm. a lesbian who didn't know she was a lesbian mm-hmm. because I think these are important things to talk about because I – feel like they could also apply to other people out there, you know. Um, We had another one of the workshops at Sex Down South was somebody talking about how few people there are in the African-American community specifically Mm -hmm. who come out as poly and why that is. And basically, um, the person who's studying for their doctorate who was teaching this class, who was giving this seminar, was talking about how there's maybe a missing piece that you won't have if you come out to your family or if you tell certain people. So you not only get this judgment from folks, but maybe you don't get invited to the family reunions. Maybe Mm. you don't get invited to the birthdays. Maybe people pass away and they don't want to tell you about the funerals because they're afraid like who you're going to show up with or how Mm -hmm. you're going to show up. Um, And for me, I think there was initially some of that fear as well as Mm. far as lesbianism. Like I think being attracted to and being with men felt Mm easier in a lot of ways just outwardly but now Mm -hmm. like I just can't imagine going back because I don't think any of that felt fake for me it was all genuine at the time but I think I can now be my most authentic Mm -hmm. self like being with women and being at peace with who I am because I think a lot of maybe the in-between and me dating these men and me believing that I was supposed to do it just because Mm -hmm. that's what I saw done. I always think of the Disney movies. You know, we always see Cinderella and Prince Charming. We never see Cinderella with another Cinderella. (laughs) Maybe the prince is a butch. (laughs) 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 History will say they were roommates, right? (laughs) (laughs) Do you prefer, by the way, do you prefer black or African-American? Because I know it really depends on the person. I don't care either way, but I think... Black people, what I've heard and experienced, are less offended when they hear non-black people say African-American than black. Interesting. Yeah. What about like BIPOC? BIPOC, that's fine with me. Totally okay. Okay. Thank Um, you for asking. Thank you for clarifying. Also, I don't know if either of you have heard, you've heard of this before, the poly versus polyam. Um, Do you know what I'm talking about? The what? Mm -hmm. Polynesian people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Have said that they would prefer polyam people to not call ourselves poly and instead say polyam because it messes up like the hashtags and stuff like when polynesian people are trying to find each other basically oh. so i'm sure there's some poly polyam person out there i'm sure i'm just sure like- but just in case i personally try to say polyam more just because some people don't like the other option so yeah i don't know just putting that out there well, just that's keep fair it in okay that's good to know all right yeah. Where were we? Um, so we we're talking about your ethical non-monogamy journey. Mm-hmm. So um, did you have anything else to add there? I think it was a lot of it so cool. far. Maybe yeah. we'll get like back into it sometime yeah. when another question comes Should up. Should we touch um, on ours really briefly? We can, yeah. Answer. You go first. Like our story with each other or like in general? Okay. So, well, I kind of said mine already, but I've, I've always known I was attracted to women. I would say pretty much all my crushes growing up were – I mean, it was all the genders. I, I didn't really, I didn't have. Um, Why don't I, you label yourself as pansexual? I don't know. I mean, I don't not. 
<laughs> like, I'm, I'm not not pan. I'm I'm pan. I'm bi. I'm queer. I don't know. Whatever. You're just queer. Labels are labels. Labels are labels. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was like out to myself, I would say, which is, I mm. feel like, I, I think a lot of people have to come out to themselves before they come out yeah. to the world, which shouldn't even be the case um, because of compulsory heterosexuality. Um, it is. But I knew I was, but I never felt like you publicly, like I could date a woman. Mm. I grew up in Alabama, <laughs> Birmingham, Alabama. I grew up with Russian family, Ukrainian family, very homophobic, traditional, traditional views. Roles. Yes. Um, so I, that was just never an option in my mind um, until I went to college and I went far away. <laughs> and I was like, well, now I can date whoever I want to. Um, yeah. And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. I would say I actually grew up watching like a lot of anime. I promise this as a point. And a lot of the anime <laughs> I did watch did actually feature like same sex couples mm. as adults and then like them as kids. And I'm like, Oh, this is an option because I really like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera because all my crushes like growing up were women and like other girls. Like I would like kind of like guys every now and then, but I wasn't like super impressed with them. But then again, <laughs> this was in like middle school. So then <laughs> when I got to high school, I fooled around with a few women, girls, but like I mostly dated guys because Mm. I also grew up in a pretty, like, traditional household. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, my parents are going to kill me if I do this. But then I got to college, and then I, like, came out once I graduated college. We were roommates freshman year, by the way. Neither, Neither of us, us was publicly out. out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so we could have had a lot of fun <laughs> years ago. <laughs> we're making up for it now. We are. But, um, you guys are making out for it now? Is that I, I said? I mean, that's <laughs> All of the above. All of the above. <laughs> yeah, I came out after I graduated and I started working for, like, a pretty progressive company. Mm. Like, they celebrated Pride every year. They, like, donated to, like, LGBT organizations. And I was like, oh, I feel safe here. Nice. So I came out. And eventually I did come out to my parents. But it was, like, in a very, like, casual way. I, could, like, came out in, like, a Barnes & Noble. And my dad was, like, drinking coffee. And I came <laughs> over and I was like, hey, dad, I went on a date with a girl. And he just like chokes on his cup. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I do wonder if they think it's a face though, because I haven't been like romantically involved with a girl yet. Well, you haven't brought a guy around either. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I just don't tell my parents about people that I date unless I'm yeah. like, it's been like three years. Let's go. That's fair. Yeah, my mother figured out when she found my Tinder and snooped, <laughs> read all of the messages. Everyone on there was women. <laughs> And she was like, so. <laughs> Put these puzzle pieces together. <laughs> and I was with Podcast God at the time, who was a man. And she was like, are you cheating? What's going yeah. on? Are you a lesbian? <laughs> and I'm like, not fully. <laughs> your mom just cries to your roommate at the time going, it's my, but you do. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I, I do stand-up comedy. One of my bits that I do is I tell the whole story of how this happened. Mm -hmm. And this is not an exaggeration. She calls us, me on Skype. I hand the computer to my roommate because I don't want to deal with her. She's like, is my child a lesbian? And then she just has a toddler tantrum, like screaming for like eight hours. Oh, no. Yeah, we, we got past it we, by not talking about it since. <laughs> I still don't know why they're so pissed off about it. It's like, we can still get married. We can still have kids with mm -hmm. a woman. 
Not that I want either. Well, but so- I mean, not that it's okay, but it, she grew up in a very homophobic society. I mean, a lot of Eastern Europe is very like, don't leave the norm. Right. Like, but stick she's also to an artist. Yeah, which is funny. Yeah, she's an art teacher. (laughs) She has a lot of gay and trans students that she is totally fine with. It's like one of those, but I don't want my child to be part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure I would get disinvited from multiple like family (laughs) events if I was showed up with a girl. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do how was your family? If you're comfortable talking about it, growing up, like were they (laughs) cool with queer people? Um, so one of my mom's best friends was actually, um, it was two gay men that dated each other and I didn't realize that. I don't know what I assumed their relationship was. I think for a long time I assumed they were brothers because I was just, (laughs) I was just young. Roommates, one might say. Exactly. (laughs) And they were both, that's what they were. Like we had a lot of adopted family here, um, because my family's not from here, Mm. so you know, I was just joking with my mom. We took a long car drive about a week ago and I was like, how many aunts do I have that aren't aunts? Or how many uncles do I have that are uncles? So these were both my uncles as far as I knew. And I'll never forget, we came to visit um, and just stop in on one of them one day and his partner was there and comes out like on the terrace with his shirt off, obviously just been like resting at home Mm -hmm. or in the shower. And I don't know why that moment it clicked for me. I was like, (laughs) Oh, they're gay. <laughs> right. Like, they're the gay. Um, I also had another aunt who saw women and kind of, like, told me about it at one point. was like, hey, Maya, like, this person's my girlfriend. So I knew that and got that knowledge growing up. But I would say in my younger years, like, very young, I don't think my parents ever tried to hide it from me on purpose. That's the yeah. thing. I don't think they were ever like, don't look at this. We don't accept these people. This behavior is not okay. Mm-hmm. I think it was really more of that point to what you were talking about, about the kind of – Not my kids. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Compulsory hetero – Cis-heteronormativity. Yeah. Cis-heteronormativity. It's a long word. Yeah, it is. I was like <laughs> – Comps like, is het. <laughs> absolutely. Um I would say that my family has just been really kind and very accepting of me, which I know is not something a lot of people get to say and is also why a lot of people, you know, don't get to come out as certain things, whether it's lesbian. And I mean, if some people listen to this, they might hear I'm polyam for the first time. So Mm -hmm. hello. Hello. (laughs) What's up? Welcome. Oh, the joy. Uh, One of my just mantras in my life is I actually have a great relationship with my mother and mm-hmm. I told her Goals. not too long Can't ago. Relate. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot relate. <laughs> I actually have a great mom. I know. There's, no, there, we love it. Yes, not we love of, it. We need someone. <laughs> someone that's not this. traumatized by their mommy. <laughs> yes. Um, and it was actually not too long ago. It was a few months. I was seeing somebody and I felt really serious about them. And I was at the table with my sister who knows I'm out in poly, like knows mm-hmm. how gay I queer gay and queer I am and poly I am. Um my aunt, who's the one who told me in my youth that she dated women. And then my mom. And I just like literally came out like we're sitting at a Mexican restaurant awesome. and I'm like, hey mom, I have to tell you something. I was like, do you know what polyamorous is? And she was like <laughs> I kind of know, but tell me. And I was like, well, it's when you can love more than one person at the same time. And I'm that person. She's like, 
I love you, no matter what. Oh, <laughs> just, just I like, don't think we would get that response. No, <laughs> no, no. Eat that is ch- not the immigrant <laughs> experience. No. <laughs> Looks at me in the face while eating a chip and shoves. Like, I mean, shoves. I love it's that for like, you. <laughs> I came out with like polyam to a couple of friends, and they were all like, "Yeah, we know." I'm like, thanks. Okay. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> this would have been helpful. Like, where's my, uh, where's my cake? You know, no, like, right. like, where's my membership card? Where's my medal? I have questions. How did you I know was before brave. I, I came out and you guys were just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, just shrug. But honestly, it'd be great if at some point the world was just like that. And we didn't have to come out. It's just Absolutely. Like, oh, I'm, I'm polyam. Also, I'm, I'm queer, whatever. Don't think. If you're at home and you need your parents' financial resources and it's not safe for you to come out, do not come out. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of what we were talking about in that class, just saying like African-Americans in the polyamorous Mm. community and obviously you guys too, like having your families from different backgrounds and for different social... Remember that last sentence we were going to say. Pause for technical difficulties. And we're back. Okay. Um, So yeah, I was just saying you know, different people from whether it's socioeconomic status or whether it's because, you know, maybe their families weren't accepting or weren't raised in accepting like spaces and households. I know that there can be so many reasons. And the person in um, the class who taught at Sex Down South was just made this beautiful point about how she was like, are you going to come out to your family as being polyamorous or are you not going to get like your grandmother's greens and kind of just in Southern culture and black culture, there's this thing about like, you know, of course, having resources, having community, like being able to share households or food or money or resources or whatever it might be together that I think, um, yeah, a lot of people can be cut off from that if Mm -hmm. they come out as some kind of, on the queer spectrum or if they come out as being polyamorous Mm -hmm. on top of that you know it might be a lot of different things to handle so I feel very blessed that most of the people in my literally like direct family or even outer family who figured out haven't had like a huge problem with it you know I still have some family that prays for me but not in a way that they pray for me that like I'll pray for your soul I'll pray that you're not going to hell or just like (laughs) I love you and I'll pray for you not like (laughs) I'll pray for you because you got a mind because you're gay like it's never (laughs) been been very very lucky actually to not have had that experience are you out to grandparents I about being queer or poly I actually have introduced um, my last partner to my oh, grandmother, nice. mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately, she has Alzheimer's, so mm-hmm. I don't know if she completely understood what was happening, mm-hmm. but I did feel like it was important for me to introduce right. this person to my grandmother like as my partner, yeah. um, whether she understood what was going on or not. And then um, my other grandfather, my grandfather on my dad's side, we lost when I was still young Mm -hmm. and then my grandmother it hasn't been too long since she's passed away Mm. and I only have like one living grandparent right now Mm -hmm. um my poppy passed away that was my mom's dad in 2020 and I think that he Mm. had a concept and didn't really mind too much but Mm. no I've never like boldly walked in to the grand I've never had the sit down restaurant moment like I did with my mom like with the grandparents Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah I I think it also depends on like how close you are to these family members yeah I would never bother coming out to extended family it's weird because for you your grandparents uh were all in China when you were growing up right some of them okay uh all four of my grandparents are still alive 
they're all in China. Mm. I've had they, I've had chances when they would come to America mm. and like babysit me and my brother when I was younger, but that was when we were still minors. So you don't feel very close with them. I don't feel very close with them. It's weird because for me, I still have family in Ukraine and in Russia. Like I don't really have family in the U.S. other than my mom. Um, besides us. Besides my chosen family. Of course. Um, and but I do feel close with them because the way my family just nurtured that relationship. Um, I mean, I talked on Skype like every day to my grandparents. You're fluent. My, yes, I'm fluent in Russian. That helps. Um and I spoke with them very consistently, my aunts, uncles, cousins, everyone over there, and we would visit whenever we could. Um, and they visited America whenever they could. So I do feel close with them, but at the same time, Everybody over there is so homophobic and transphobic. Like, I don't know if I could ever come out to them, mm. which sucks because it's like in every other way, I'm really close to a lot of that family. So it's it's like a weird – they don't ever yeah. – they won't ever fully know me, like know yeah. who I am. My my cousins are around my age, and we were pretty close because they would come to America for, like, college. Mm-hmm. I don't have any of their, like – phone numbers mm. i don't know any of my family members like phone mm. numbers or yeah. like what's up handles whatever like i don't talk to them mm-hmm. unless i'm visiting with my parents and you have one sibling i have one sibling i have no siblings i would say my cousins might be a bit more accepting of it the one think, do you have any cousins in the u.s no okay. it's just me and my media family yeah my uh i know my some of my cousins have actually hooked up with the same sex people i don't really? think they wait how do you know i was there <laughs> we're cutting that. that. We're cutting that. Yeah, I was just like, okay, well, this is happening. I'm gonna go find a beer. All right. <laughs> because I would like visit them at college. Okay. Like, okay. Parties and stuff, and I would see them hooking up with other like same-sex people, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I think they'd be cool with it. But I think they're cool with it, and like a very like, oh, this is filthy and taboo, like a hush way. hush kind of like way, like a hush hush, yeah. Like, cool for the summer kind of way not yeah. so much like i don't i don't think my cousins would be cool if i was like here's someone i'm actually dating versus like yeah. what they usually do yeah. which is here's someone i hooked up with yeah 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 you're no, like same. i'm queer all the time not just <laughs> yeah part, not just part-time yeah yeah and then the non-binary thing is a whole other i can't don't I, get I, me started it'd be very frustrating for you to have to explain that to your grandmother well also in English, we don't really have gendered words. In mm. Russian, everything is oh, feminine yeah. or masculine. Oh. But we do also have neutral words, but not pronouns. Okay. So Chinese is not gendered, but I don't know if I can describe the concept. Of yeah, I don't know. In the language. They would all just be really confused. <laughs> mm. But no, that's a whole other thing I'm probably never going to get into. I mean, even my mom, who lives in America, doesn't really understand. She's just like, oh, you're a tomboy. She's just like, why do you dress like a man now? And I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, she's like, mom. you used to be so cute and feminine. I'm like, yeah, because I was trying to you weren't please even you. That feminine in college. I was. I used to like wear makeup and heels every day. Don't remember that. I'd never. Saw I feel like heels. I had to perform femininity for like mm. most I never of college. Saw you in heels. Well, you left after one. Year. That's true. I saw you wearing makeup more in yeah. the beginning. It's funny because we switched our presentation. Yeah, we did. We did. Because I was a lot more mask in college. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And yeah. then I was like, I can be aggressive and dress feminine. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> you can do both. I can do both. <laughs> yeah, you can. All right. Moving on. 
So we did, we've already mentioned this a few times about like how it's so important to find like chosen family, especially when you're in the mm-hmm. queer community. Because mm-hmm. once you find that like chosen family, you're like, oh, these are the people who will support me and be my support network if something right. goes wrong. Your actual community, if, especially if your family's not supportive, your biological right. family. Absolutely. And it's also cool to be like, these are queers who are dating, and I kind of get that now. Yeah. So this do is you... Change and, like I don't get elsewhere. Yeah. So Maya, do you feel like you have a chosen family? Do you, Have you felt like you needed that? What do, What is your uh, view on that? Absolutely. So... As much as I appreciate that my biological family um, so far has been accepting of me and my life choices, I think there's also something to be said about people who are, um, one, already doing the thing, right? So there's, like, other people who are polyamorous and queer and gay who are, like, okay, honey, like, come over. We can show you the ropes. And, Mm. you know, I always think about Pose and them having the houses, right? Or, like, there's this queer culture of, like, having a house where you Mm. are together with other queer people and you all, like, maybe (laughs) – you that's that's actually my dream my dream is Same. to live we've been talking yes. about this okay, in great. every episode okay, yeah. really I, I love that all the queers are on the same wavelength i want a piece of land i want everybody to have their own like little kind of house my um, my friend is like seriously looking at land in vermont to buy like cabins and then one giant communal space see you there in it. five years i love <laughs> so it it's possible right. it might happen we'll, soon we'll all be together again um <laughs> But yeah, I think communal family is so important because there are ways that people might not connect to their biological um, family or just things that maybe they don't understand or maybe language that like you don't even have yet, but other people have Mm -hmm. or situations that are just like awkward or uncomfortable or you're feeling something for the very first time. And as much as I love to share with my biological family and the people who love me. Sometimes there's things I'm just legitimately going through that I'm like, I actually don't need your advice on this. Or I don't think you'd understand. And then there's a whole other community I feel like who supports me and can understand um, what I'm going through. And really, I think that's why it's so essential for me to continue to host community events, to continue to be a person that people feel like they can reach out to. Um, that's why I love doing things that are during the day or Mm. things that are sober. Cause I feel like so much of what we assume is gay or queer community are people that come out at night and people who are around alcohol. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't want kids after they turn 18 and then have access to what it means to be in gay and queer community to think that like, it means that you're always at a bargaining trash. It means that like you're a part of hookup culture. Now, if you say you're gay or queer, Mm -hmm. it's like, no, there are, gays and queers that function there are gays and queers that like live in all aspects of their life or there are Mm -hmm. people who might not even seem one way or present one way and then actually be another enemies to lovers i'd love to share a little story if i could Sure, of course so want to check the camera while you do that ignore me yes do that uh, so one of the dinners that I host, Let's Eat, we had a nuclear-looking family come in one day. And two of my trans friends come up to me and are just, like, almost aggressively asking me why these people are here. It was, like, okay. a mom and a dad and a few kids that were mm-hmm. around. And I was, like, did they say anything, like, 
harmful to you Mm -hmm. all? And they're like, no. And I was like, okay, then my policy is whoever feels welcome or needs the space is welcome to the space. Mm -hmm. And then if anything else happens, if there's an incident, then we just politely ask them to leave. So, you know, I just dismissed my friends and we're all walking around. And eventually the mom of the family comes up to me and said, one of our kids just came out to us as trans and asked if there were any people like them. And we found this event and brought them here. And I went over to my two friends who'd come up to me before. And I was like, you go talk to that trans baby. You you need to help them out. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, so even, you know, we get so obtuse sometimes, even in our queerness, that we Mm. see other people who maybe like, then we're so like in what need us straight right exactly Mm. or like we're combing through because we feel like maybe those people are there to do us harm or maybe they don't have good intentions or are you here to just mock the queer people who are here Mm. when in fact it was just like really beautiful to see and to see a young person a person who you know could have gotten to that age to the over 21 and been out at the bars and clubs and been like, Oh, does my sexuality mean that I have to like be out late in the dark in a corner with somebody like drinking booze and hooking up? Like, no, my sexuality and my community could be like, I'm eight at a potluck during the day on a Sunday, like eating some, eating some food with my family. Even if you are like one of the queer vampires, and I'm sure we would both classify ourselves as along those lines. A vampire. (laughs) People who come out at night and they like hooking up. Yeah, but I don't think that's all we do. Exactly. But it's also okay if you want to do that. That's just not the only variety in the community. Definitely. Absolutely. Because sometimes, if you, especially in like smaller towns, the queer community is run by like two people and they throw the same events every single month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus like Atlanta, which is much bigger and you have a variety of events. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're, if you're like, fuck it, I don't want to go bar hopping, you can go to a public instead. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I just love the concept of that. Just community being able to find each other in spaces that aren't where, where we would. Ad- typically assume we would find Mm. gay people if that makes sense we are real people and correct me if i'm wrong a lot of your the events that you help produce or host are at neighborhood church is that right yes that's correct i've seen them before on instagram like in a church shout out in the south shout out to neighborhood yes please explain how that absolutely (laughs) i I would love to um the people who don't live here i love talking about them because i so also background for me with the polyam and the, you know, different levels of acceptance. I also didn't grow up in a strictly religious household, which I feel like helps me be more lenient towards other people's religion and their beliefs. Because my mom always taught me, as long as people are respective of you and your culture and your views, Mm -hmm. then you be respectful of them. So I never felt like, I don't know, I can't explain it. I think some people who have so much of their religion can only believe in their beliefs and they don't really have the acceptance which is preached in a lot of religions for yeah (laughs) yeah about that about that it's very ironic do you come into conflict with like the more religious bipoc people in the community i have south I have before, but not in a way that's like ever seriously overwhelmed me or ever slowed mm-hmm. down anything that I've done, okay. if that's, that's made good. sense. Like nobody's ever made me feel like afraid for my life mm-hmm. or afraid for my safety or like they weren't just saying their opinion in a way that was kind or considerate that was like harmful. Yeah. Um, yeah but oh, going back to talking about neighborhood church. So 
I, uh, so I, <laughs> okay. Also, side question. Sorry, before you get into this. Yeah. Didn't they also host a lot of the Fringe Festival stuff this What's past the year? It's like a move, like an, a local artsy movie theater kind of festival, right? Uh, That's super okay. possible. You guys might have to look it up. Yeah. Because we do a lot of, they do a lot of different things. So yeah. it's completely, completely possible. Okay. But um, yeah, sorry, go into. Oh, no, it's all good. <laughs> I was just trying to find the right way to say it, but I found yeah. it. Me and SFQP. There we go. Um, Southern Fried Queer Pride. <laughs> yes. Shout out, shout out. Um, we got in contact with them a few years ago. We wanted to find somewhere that felt clean, that felt safe, that felt accessible um, to the Marta line in Atlanta. And we just like through this series of coincidences happened to find Neighborhood Church. So Neighborhood Church is run by a queer couple. So, yes. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes. So the head pastor um, is trans and then is married Mm. to a woman, and they are the two top pastors at the church. Wow, that's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, absolutely. So I went um, to help them do sound. I, like, help with some of their background stuff at the church. And during this month, they were preaching about, like, making sure people knew that it was – Black History Month and making sure that people are aware of pride and what was happening in the news. And I was just like, yes, like all these things in a church and the kids were there. So they don't have a separate children's church. Mm -hmm. So then the children are hearing this and I'm sitting watching what I'm perceiving as an older community Mm -hmm. of a lot of not people of color in this Candler Park, like this kind of affluent area in Atlanta. It's pretty gentrified. Yes, it is pretty gentrified. Um, they're all sitting and listening to the sermon so respectfully, so kindfully mm-hmm. and like peacefully. And I was like, this exists. So <laughs> yes, Neighborhood Church has done so many things with us. I've been hosting the Let's See event there for I think four or five years now. Mm-hmm. And the queer um, picnic, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, the queer picnic and potluck. And I host my bliss, my day dance in their sanctuary. I and yeah, this, I'm absolutely. working on this. Absolutely. Yes, keep convincing her, please. Absolutely, you do. And it is just a beautiful space. They're super open to us. And um, it always it always does. I know that it's hard for some people coming into that space because I've had multiple events there. And I've only had a handful of people, but I have had that handful of people say they wouldn't even enter the threshold of the church. Mm-hmm. That's fair. There's a lot of religious of trauma in the queer community. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think either of us was raised religious either. Right? I was raised pretty secular. My yeah. Dad's a, actually, I'm not going to dox myself. That's Moving fair. on. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm Jewish, um, but a lot of Soviet Jews um, basically abandoned their religion because, you know, anti-Semitism. Yeah. Um, so we moved here as Jewish refugees and none of my family like knows the prayers or the traditions. So we're like ethnically Jewish, but we didn't grow up. Like I wasn't raised religious at all. Would you be interested in going to like a synagogue? I have, um, based so, okay. A little bit about my life. My dad's (laughs) dead. (laughs) You have said that in every episode. I have. It always comes back to the the dead dad. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) It's okay. Your mom's not going to watch this. (laughs) <laughs> we hope. Yeah. Um, no, but my dad's dead, and my dad uh, is Jewish, and my mom 
wanted to, and it was like important for him for his kids to be Jewish. And so after he passed, um, my mom really wanted really put effort into that. So she signed me up for synagogue. She doesn't know like any of the prayers or anything, but she would take me every week and like, you know. Do you know Hebrew then? I vaguely know the alphabet. Like I, I will not <laughs> claim to know Hebrew. Um you learned French. We were too poor for me to have a bat mitzvah, but I technically had one. It was just not like a big party. Um, but yeah, like my mom would take me to all the things I was in like Jewish youth group in high school. So we would like go on field trips every once in a while to like That's other fun. synagogues in other States. But it's weird. Cause I couldn't relate to a lot of the people there because they were like American Jews with like mm. money. Most of them were white, like American Jews that had generations of wealth. Yeah. I'd fully formed nuclear family. Right. I'm like, I have a broke I'm mom. mom. <laughs> I have and everyone else is abroad <laughs> so it was it was a different vibe but i'm still like grateful but anyways um so yes i'm eth- ethnically jewish but i was also raised fairly far away from religion so both of us kind of i think it's weird right because you assume that religion is what causes a lot of people to kind of be scared to come out but mm. for us it wasn't that I it think. was just like traditional so i think the whole reason why a lot of us also want to find co- chosen family and like community and like queer poly spaces polyam spaces is because it's really scary being like the only representation that you know like yeah you're mm-hmm. like shit i'm the role model what if i fuck up yeah. versus you meet other like polyam and like queer people and you're like oh they fucked up they're fine <laughs> like we're good. Like, we don't need to be the angels that, like, represent being queer and polyam to, like, everyone else. We That's know. a really good point. That's Absolutely. a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like, you're just around people that get it, so you don't yeah, have to be on all the time. Especially when you're coming into it from, like, a messy perspective, like, a messy journey. Mm. And you're, and then you're, like, kind of cringe talking to, like, monogamous people. I like how you're like, looking at me when you're saying yeah. messy journey. But, like, it, it's a lot of pressure being, like, shit, well, I'm, yeah. like, I'm talking to monogamous people and I want them to be open-minded. But, like, mm-hmm. what if they start judging me immediately off the bat because of, mm. like, how I handled my journey? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I hear a lot of, you know, monogamous people talking about cheating casually. Oh, or they talk- do. They're so proud of Yeah. Them. Or talking about, um, you know – I don't know. I just like side chicks. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's like this really weird, like, or dating multiple people at a time. Mm. Like all of that is okay. But then the thought of like committing. Yeah. Being Mm -hmm. poly and committing and then the being in love. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I think part of like the casualness of it all, or maybe like part of the fetishism of it too, is that there is this concept Mm -hmm. that like, Ooh, those people are just, like you said, the, you referenced the Demi Lovato song when cool you were talking about. Yes, yes. Okay, I love you were talking about your family and you just being in this like casual space with them and seeing them, you know, like cool having their cool for the summer moment instead of being like, you know, <laughs> what would it mean for you if I told you I was queer all the time? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that there is a part of society that just believes like, oh, like maybe people just will never get out of the headspace that it's a phase, or maybe phase. there's nothing you can do to tell them like how queer you are no matter how many rainbow flags you have on you yeah like i do there's some point where it just becomes exhausting you just want the like sigh of relief that happens when you're around people they get it yeah like okay i don't have to make sure i'm on like my best behavior to make sure that these people stay open-minded absolutely like you're not in charge of educating 
the people in your community. A hundred percent. Like you don't have to try so hard. Yeah. Which is really nice. <laughs> it's nice to relax. It's like, yeah, I can just eat my food and shut up. I can't just eat my pasta in your Paliku household. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so delicious. Yes. <laughs> Let's jump into more about Maya. Okay. Life coach. Oh. Yes. So tell us about that. You're a life coach, right? I am. And I think I saw that you are ordained to do weddings. I am. <laughs> I oh, did wow. some creeping. You looked me up. <laughs> we had to do our research. <laughs> we did our research. Um, but yeah, so what, what's that? Um, what's kind of the story behind that? And just tell us more. <laughs> um, so. Enemies to lovers. Future Alex here. We cut this episode into two parts because there was just too much good stuff. So. Stay tuned for part two of Maya's episode, but for now, that's a wrap. Enemies to lovers. Is there anything you want to promote? Any resources you want to yes. promote? Local organizations, events, or your own art and work? And go. Absolutely. Okay. Um. So my name, if people want to find me, I think people can Google me. It's Maya. M- <laughs> right. Really? And you did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> All my shit showed up, so good job. Um, my name is Maya, M-A-Y-A, like Maya Angelou. My last name is Wiseman, W-I-S-E-M-A-N, like wise man. You can find me for any of my spiritual services or doing ceremonies or life coach offerings at IamMayaWiseman.com. Um, if you ever want to follow me for my gay queer community events, they are at Glitter Gaze. Glitter, like the word glitter, and gaze is G-A-Y-Z. It's a play on words. And then on Instagram. Um, yes, on Instagram. And I'm just starting the baby of Thirsty Ho. She is gonna be a full launch website at some point, but right now you can find me at thirstyho.co. Last but not least, SFQP, Southern Fried Queer Pride. They do a lot for the gay and queer community in the South and throughout the Southeast. Enemies to lovers. We love sharing our polyam, ENM, and queer journey with others. So thank you for listening. And thank you for Meyer for coming on. Please leave a review on whatever you use to listen to podcasts and tell your friends to check us out. And check Maya out. Hit subscribe below to join our community and tune the in village. next week. For the next <laughs> for the next episode, you can also follow us on Instagram at Enemies Two Lovers Podcast. The number two, not the word. A big thank you to our producer, the podcast god. Podcast god, and if you are queer, ethically non-monogamous, kinky, or just curious, reach out. We would love to hear from you. We're always looking for new guests for the podcast, especially guests with new perspectives. And. That's a wrap. (laughs) Enemies to lovers. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. It's blooper time. Ninja, follow the food. Follow the food. Follow the cans. (laughs) I also follow the food. It's always good to know. (laughs) You never know what's going to happen on the microphone. (laughs) You never know what you're gonna get.